welcome to the T2C Podcast. Here are your hosts, a double dose of Tyler and Christian. Did you hear that? Yeah, we've, we've made a few changes here. Um, it's been something in a progress I, I, very, very quickly. Um, I will... The, the I'll allow the boys to come on and, and give their thoughts. We've, we're, nothing has ended on bad terms. Uh, Landon and Caleb um, just felt that it was easiest in their lives to, uh, to no longer do a podcast. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you know. Um, it can take up a lot of your time, and that was just they, they've had some uh, life changes and, and uh, just kind of needed to move on um, somewhere else. They've handed the podcast over to me, Tyler Savatinaya. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Suavage underscore. Um, but, yeah, so we've kind of gone through a few changes. I've brought in a couple of my friends uh, to join me in this endeavor as we move on forward. We've changed to the T2C podcast, um, rebranding for the second time, coming in here shortly uh, as we move through Twitter, uh, logos, and some other things going on. Uh, but yeah, so I'll just get in right away and introduce you guys to the second Tyler on this podcast. Tyler Blythe. <laughs> uh, I'm Tyler, longtime friend of the other Tyler, short time listener of the TLC FP, uh, first time podcast personality, uh, longtime fan of the Kansas City Chiefs, love them with my entire being. I fell in love with Priest Holmes and Tony Gonzalez as a kid and followed the Chiefs ever since. Uh, and I'm a current season ticket holder uh, and I stay pretty up to date with what's going on in and around the chiefs. And I definitely don't have a shortage of opinion when it comes to all things <laughs> Kansas city chiefs. Shortage of opinion is not, not what we're looking for on a podcast. Well, the next guy that we're going to be bringing in, uh, he's got a ton of bona fides. Might I add, uh, ran the number one news program in Omaha as the uh, producer for quite a while. Very, very good friend of mine joining us on the podcast. His name is Christian. Take it away, sir. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Christian Folsom. I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. I uh, lived there until I was 18. Um, I've been really involved in radio and television production for almost 10 years um, and recently got out of the industry uh, to dip my feet in some other things, but never have really left the hobby side of things. Uh, obviously a huge fan of all things Kansas City, a uh, huge Chiefs fan, went to my first game when I was three with my dad. Uh, my dad's had season tickets our entire lives, so I usually go to at least one game every year. Um, and yeah, just a huge fan. I, uh, I love radio, I love television, I love sports. Um, and uh, for those of you that are into college sports, I live in the cult that is Nebraska. So big, uh, big Cornhusker fan. But we'll uh, we'll stay away from that on the podcast for the most part, since <laughs> the listening base uh, is not exactly uh, sympathetic to that. So, anyhow, uh, yeah, garbage Cornhusker fan, garbage Chiefs fan. Well, the fan base also likes a bunch of winners, so yeah, we well, <laughs> kind of leave it there. You're not going to find that in Lincoln, Nebraska, then. <laughs> Well, like I said, guys, there's there's going to be some changes coming. We're working on uh, working on a few things, ramp up uh, scheduling, production, and uh, you know, tell your friends, tell your family, share it, like it, subscribe it, 
unsubscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, rate us, all that good stuff. Uh, grow with us so that we can uh, continue to make more for you to listen to. Uh, what you came here for is a little bit of Chiefs talk. Now, we did have in Landon and Caleb's last show again. They'll, they'll come on another time uh, for one last get-together um here in the near future but we did in the last show have mr arrowhead tom on the show to talk about a little draft Love uh, to him. yeah he, he was he really was good very informal now as i talked about he's 365 days of the year doing draft stuff he is always uh reading looking at numbers and looking at film on a lot of these guys that are coming in one of the guys that he talked about was logan hall and he should be off of everybody's board. He said that he is the very, very next Breland Speaks. <laughs> don't need I, I don't think anybody needs another Breland Speaks. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need another Breland Speaks uh. up and around here. But we've had his takes. We've had Landon and Caleb's takes. What are you guys looking for in the draft position-wise? Um, and in in pick what like are you guys expecting there to be trades? Are you wanting there to be trades? We're we're coming up, and we know that Brett Veach um, likes to trade away the first round draft pick this year. We got two. We got uh, six in the first three rounds. We got eight in the first four. We got twelve total. Uh, there's a lot of moves to be made. AJ Brown just took Tennessee out of his out of his bio on Twitter. That's a big move. DK is still looking to get paid. Terry McLaurin is still getting a, looking to get paid. Like there, there's a lot of monitoring dudes. those situations. I want to know what happens with Debo, all that stuff. Uh, like, Debo took his uh, 49ers stuff out of his social media too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that. And like so, but again, these guys are going to come with a pay with, with with a cost. The question is, a lot of people have been fighting me on this, and I'm not I'm not really sure why everybody's kind of like, no, we don't want to do this. Let's take a look at Tyreek Hill's situation. He's, he's obviously gone. Tyreek was given $30 million. He wanted $30 million. He, he needed the $30 million. Like I, I'm pretty sure that he deserved it out of pretty much anybody else. That's a third or fourth contract situation. That's not, a, that's not your second contract situation, especially with where the cap space is today. It's, it's trending upwards, but we still got to kind of get past that COVID year payoff for the players and, and get the cap space headed back in the right direction. I don't believe that Scary Terry, AJ, Debo, any of them are going to garner $30 million. I would say that their cap hit is roughly Debo, going to be – Debo's going to Kyle Shanahan offense. It's going to be he's in a Kyle Shanahan offense. You take him out of the Kyle Shanahan offense, he's no longer a running back and a receiver. He's just going to be a receiver. And if that's a playmaker, he he is a playmaker. Don't get me wrong, but you take him out of the Kyle Shanahan offense, and his skill set changes completely. He's not going to be used in the same way. What is almost every offense in the NFL turning to? It's it's a it's I mean. That's a fantastic. More creative. Debo is a utility guy. Like you, you can't put a, you can't slap a, a position on him. He can play anywhere. And he, he's a ball. better Cordero Patterson. Well, I don't know about that. Patterson is a, is a limit. He doesn't have a saying. He doesn't have a position. I'll, I'll post you a hypothetical. How about this? Would Devonte Adams be the same player in Shanahan's system? No. Would he be the same Debo type player or the same player yes. that he is? Would he be the, the same? Would he would he be like Debo? Would he be Debo no. in that system? No, he, no, no. 
he can't play. I, I I highly doubt that he doesn't have the body size to be able to play running back. Yeah, he Debo does. Debo has that side. Debo's almost a t- like he's got the body type yeah. of a tight end. He, he's a, he's a monster, and I mean, not saying Devontae Adams isn't a, like a a physical receiver, but like his lower body isn't what Debo's is. Like he's more slender. I don't think he could take the hits that like a utility type player is going to like take during a game. Yeah, no, no, no. Debo's really, really good. I'm not saying that he's not going to garner a lot of money. I'm saying he's not going to garner 30. He now, none of these guys will garner 30. I think they're going to be anywhere from, from 25 to 28, which is not outside of what we were willing to pay Tyreek. That's, that's kind of where I was getting, getting to is we were willing to give Tyreek anywhere from 25 to $27 million. It wasn't going to break the bank. Now we know that if we bring one of these guys in, some other moves are going to have to be made. We only have 18 million in cap space at the moment. Um, So that means anybody we bring in cannot get a contract. That's more than $18 million for this year. We're also going to have to move off a couple of guys because we have to have about $10 million in cap space to to make the draft picks uh, uh, work and stay on the roster for the year. I think if we make are we saying like we're going we're going to try are you saying we're going to try to make a move on one of the big names out there that's that's what i'm asking you guys cuz so so Veach's Veach's vernacular is to or not vernacular but his tendency is to trade away a first round pick we've got two so there's you know, do you like as we move into this, what are you guys thinking about draft day that's going to happen uh, in your minds? And what do you want to happen? Do you think that Brett Veach is going to trade away one of these first round or second round or third round picks to move up or to get a guy? What are you looking for in your draft picks? Um, we've got a lot of holes to cover. So give me give me your breakdown on what you believe um, that draft day here next week is going to garner. I think the unless you think that you could get more value by, by making those trades, which in my opinion, you're not going to at the positions that I think the chiefs need. I don't think, I don't think you should. I think you can fill any of these needs in the draft. I don't see the need to go after any of these vets and pay them anything. We've seen the best example you could say is with the chiefs. When you had Mahomes on his rookie contract, you see teams that when they have their best players still on their rookie contracts, I mean, they, these studs that you don't have to pay them a cent, you know, cause they're still on their rookie contracts. There's no, there's no receivers, which, you know, that's kind of a tease, but there's no receivers or defensive ends or outside rushers that are going to be available in a spot that we'd be able to trade up to or on the free market that we wouldn't be able to get the same amount of value at the 29th or 30th pick in the first round. If, if the question is just about our first round picks, um, you know, I think you're going to pick a wide receiver and, a, and an edge rusher with one of those picks, with both of those picks, excuse me. I don't know which order that's going to be, but that that's what the Chiefs need. I mean, it's not a secret. That's what everybody will tell you, that that's what the Chiefs need. If you watch them, you know they need one more edge, edge rusher, and it'd be nice to have another receiver just to give yourself some depth. Obviously, just talking about the loss of Tyreek. And real quick, before I turn it over to Tybo, um, and for, for the folks at home, I'm going to call Tyler Tyler and our newest Tyler Tybo so that we can tell the difference for everybody at home. Uh, just <laughs> because I'm going to get confused. Um, but just to go back to my hypothetical of Devontae Adams real quick and Debo Samuel, uh, Devontae Adams actually weighs the same and is an inch taller than Debo Samuel. I would disagree with you guys when you don't think that he could do the same thing in a Kyle Shanahan offense. I think that is the kind of player that could do that in a Kyle Shanahan offense. And I think, like Tybo said, I think that the league is going to players like that. So I don't think that he was entirely wrong in what he said. I just think that he was wrong to say that Devontae Adams couldn't be that player. 
Um, or maybe I was unfair in the way I phrased my questioning and kind of led him astray. But the point is, I think that Devontae Adams can step into that role. I think a lot of players can step into that role. It'd be super sweet to get somebody like that in the draft. That's a huge gamble in your role in the dice. But this is the deepest wide receiver draft we've seen in a long time. And um, there's no shortage of boys ready to catch some footballs. I'll say that. I would, I would say the Chiefs' possibilities are wide open. And Brett Veach and our front office, like, have – people with creative ideas. And I, I feel like if we make a move on somebody that's on the market right now um, and pay somebody a little bit of money, um, that's more of a statement saying we're trying to win a Super Bowl next year. And I, I'm not saying that it's not possible to win a Super Bowl next year with the draft picks that we have, but if we go get somebody who's proven like, uh, I mean, I don't know if I can trust a scary Terry or an A.J. Brown, but I'm thinking Debo Samuel. I don't think that deal's realistically going to happen. I I want to see us shore up the defense. Like, there, there's so much lack of depth on the defense. Um, I think if we pick up a wide receiver, that's going to be nice. But, um, you know, Pat gave a quote not too long ago, uh, maybe it was like a day or two ago, Yesterday. about uh, how physical – uh, his wide receiver room is right now. And I'm expecting to see a lot out of McCole Hardman, whether or not we can trust it right now is, you know, time will tell, but I think McCole Hardman's going to have a big year. Um, I think, you know, I think my hot take going into the season is he has over a thousand yards. So. I wouldn't disagree with that. I've been talking about how, how good McColl has actually played over the last couple of years. And a lot of people's takes is, is that McColl's not, not playing well. He's actually gotten better every single year. He had 600 yards last year, which if we look at a guy like LaVishka Chenault down in Jacksonville, who's had a hundred targets, um, he, he caught like 70 of them or close to, so he's nearly a 70% catch rate only put up 600 yards. Now, granted he's, realistically their only target with DJ shark being out and uh, Chris Conley not being worth a damn as we already know as chiefs chiefs fans. <laughs> um, but here's, here's kind of where we sit at team overall. We've got three defensive ends on, on roster. That's Kando I'm scared Frank. <laughs> and uh, who, who else do we have? We got a third one. Is that we got two? I was thinking Chris Jones, but they moved Chris Jones back inside. We've got two or three guys at, at edge. Uh, I, I'm thinking two. Now, we've only got three uh, three defensive tackles. We've got Chris. We've got Derek Nadi, we got Tershawn Ward. Am I missing anyone? I don't think so. Uh, at linebacker, we're, we're pretty solid. A, a tackle, though? I thought Wharton, he was an end. No, Wharton's a tackle. Okay. He, we play the forefront. Um, at linebacker, we're obviously set with starters. We don't have any backups. Now, at corner, we got three. We got LJ. We got uh, DeAndre Baker. I think that might be it. Realistically. Oh, no, 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 Fenton. We got Rashad Fenton. We have a lot of safeties, though. We do now. We're, we're now set at safety. However, Juan Thornhill's on the last year of his contract. So now we have to boy DiCaprio Boodle. Right. DiCaprio Boodle. Is that guy back on the practice squad with uh, Garrett Dieter? <laughs> No, he's listed yeah, as the fourth string corner. <laughs> well, he's probably going to be a starter if we can't get that shit figured out. <laughs> so, like, obviously, defensively, 
we're not set. Now, one thing I did talk about as the season ended is that without a, without a true number one wide receiver, which we clearly do not have, we do not have a number one wide receiver. I think McColl will be better. We got three twos. Like Ooh, we got, we got like nine twos. We got like nine twos and three threes. That is ridiculous. Now, obviously, we, we have three number two wide receivers, and we have a Travis Kelsey. We do have Travis Kelsey. So, like Travis Kelsey is going to take over the number one offense, wide receiver like, role. Here's the thing. Here's here's what I was talking about. Is our window has gotten smaller because we don't Rojo, have. Man. We do have Rojo. Our backfield is nice. Offensively, if we bring in a true number one who is proven, give him the contract that a number one deserves, and they're young. Our offense is set. We now no longer have – we can bring in – overloaded. We would be – everybody would hate us like they are would, do, but like – But that's fine. So he would be so, so dangerous. Here's, here's the thing. So if we trap Bill, that, 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 is, uh, that is realistic. I would love to bring in A.J. Brown. I yeah. think his contract would be somewhere around 25 to 27, exactly what we were looking at bringing in, in for Tyreek. I, I think that would be fine. And here's why I would say we need to trade for a wide receiver because now we no longer have to worry about any position on the offense except for right tackle, in which we're still going to trust in Lucas Niang. So we bring in a guy who's a little bit down the line in the draft order. We can coach him up, and hopefully he turns into a guy if Lucas Niang can't. That focuses all the attention on the defense. Now we only need to bring in two defensive ends, two corners, a safety, and that's only five picks. If we can get rid of a first and a second, potentially, or a first and a fourth, and bring in a guy like AJ or Scary Terry to be a true number one in this offense, we can now take over in 10 picks everything else that we need to do. Now, that get, that's where it gets a little scary because I don't know if I'm willing to give that up because the draft is so deep. The only other thing that I can see happening that will make this defense – this team better immediately is we have to trade up to get a defensive end. We have to trade up to get a defensive end because at pick 29 and pick 30, there's, there's no one. I, I, I like the kid out of, uh, I like the kid out of Minnesota, but who knows if he's going to be day one ready to go. And we can't get a Bajo or a Baji because he tore his Achilles. He's not going to be able to play until November. So that's going to be a wasted pick we're either going to need to get somebody trade up and get somebody who can who can facilitate immediately or we go all out for offensive firepower and continue to make our instead of taking the window that's slightly closed now blow it wide open for the next five years with a contract and bringing in a, a guy who is a true number one wide receiver and continue to build through the draft with the remaining 10 freaking picks so let me throw some, some numbers at you guys just to kind of set up my point here. Patrick Mahomes without Tyreek Hill, I'm sure you guys have seen these stats already, has a passer rating of 103.1 with 1,737 passing yards, eight touchdowns, and one pick. Uh, that's been a whopping five games. Those are ludicrously yes, great numbers. Size. Yeah, but yeah. great numbers in five games, and that's without Tyreek Hill. I, I understand where people are coming from when they say that we need to have a number one receiver. I get it. I get it. I don't think they're necessarily wrong, but I also don't think that it's this do or die situation. And I'm not saying that Tyler was making that out to be that way either, but I'm just saying, I don't think it's this do or die situation that we've got to have a number one. 
I think that Mahomes is one of those guys that's a virtuoso quarterback that's going to spread the ball to everybody he's got and makes everybody around him a much better football player. Not to say that some of these guys weren't great before Mahomes got there. Travis Kelsey being a great example. He was a stud with Sal Mahomes. He was a stud with Alex Smith. He made Alex Smith an MVP candidate, for God's sake. So it's not like it's not like there aren't great players on that offense that were there before Patrick Mahomes was there. My point is, I, I would be more apt to just sell out for edge rushers and to hold up the defense and to fix, like Tybo said, a lot of the depth issues, because for God's sake, what were we 27th in, in sacks last year? Something terrible. We barely no, ever awful. got to the quarterback. We were so bad. Every quarterback had for time. people who have called themselves uh, sack nation in the past, like it yes. was, it was atrocious. It was just terrible. And it's, so it's like, man, do you need, would you like to have a one number one wide receiver? Sure. That would be great. Um, but I, I think that Mahomes makes players better. And I think that you don't, <laughs> there's not a deep, you know, obviously the play caller on offense is the quarterback. Well, they are also the facilitator on offense on defense. Yeah. The play caller could be like a middle linebacker, Mike linebacker, whatever the situation may be, but they're not going to make other players around them much better. Whereas a quarterback is, they could, but a quarterback is going to make everybody a lot better, especially if they're the talent level of Mahomes. So all that to say, I would rather just go after defensive ends, edge rushers, you know, maybe get us some more depth at linebacker, like you guys briefly mentioned. Uh, you know, maybe give my boy DiCaprio a little time, throw them bones, baby, go big red. Uh, okay, that was way too many Husker references in like five minutes. So I'm like banned from saying that for a while. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, I would, I would rather us, if we're going to trade up, go for a defensive player. Otherwise, stay there. You know, you're going to get value at 29 or 30 out of, out of a wide receiver when we've got what? 12 wide receivers that could be day one players in the NFL right now in this draft. So uh, that's kind of like my brief take. Something I really would love to see the chiefs do is bring back Melvin Ingram. Um, I, he just had a visit, didn't he? Uh, he? He just had a visit somewhere. I'm not sure exactly where, but he did just have a visit, but you know, I, I was also saying after the Tyree kill situation, you know, we should pay, Tyron Matthew the money that he originally wanted or something close to on a, on a short deal. Um, but defensive end and cornerback really scare me in a league or division, let alone, you know, that has gotten so much better. Um, the, the AFC West is scary. We need to be worried about our defense. Um, the offense I think is still going to put up 30 points a game. Um, and, it doesn't happen without putting pressure on the quarterback. No, you're right. And so uh, we recently had on a friend of mine, Kyle, longtime Bronco fan, mildly delusional, um, talk about a lot of the things that were going on in uh, Bronco country and uh, in the AFC West, really. What are your guys' takes uh, or what are you thinking moving into this new season about the AFC West and the crapshoot that it's now turning into? Oh, what can't you say about the AFC West right now? AFC best, am I right? I mean, holy cow. The entire division has just mopped up most of the free agent talent. You want to talk about teams going after free agent wide receivers, Devontae Adams to the Raiders, you know, something we just discussed. You want to talk about teams going after free agent edge rushers. You want to talk about teams going after powerhouse players. I mean, we see this time and time again. You saw it with the Rams this, this last year. They went and got a Super Bowl. You know, they went and got Stafford, Von Miller, all of these great, great veteran pieces that they could slot in there. You know, it's like the Chiefs kind of got beat to the punch. It's really become an arms race. Uh, 
Um, it's like the, the Iron Curtain of Kansas City to the to the east, you know, and the, and the communist chiefs, you know, are, are, are kind of finally getting a taste of their own medicine, you know, and, and, and you know, all these teams out west in the AFC best now are, are starting to realize, man, we got to sp- kind of spend some cash if we want to keep up with these commies. So I, I think it's exciting as can be. Um, I'm, I'm super pumped. Um, you know, looking, and I'm not trying to completely derail it, but looking earlier, like, I don't know if you guys have seen the Dallas Cowboys home schedule this year as compared to any AFC West home schedule this year. Uh, it's like JV football to like Division One college football. It's hilarious. Um, it's going to be awesome. I think it could be first time in a long time, and maybe ever, in, in my knowledge, if three teams could come out of a single division uh, in the playoffs, would be really cool. Um, that both AFC, well, I guess there's three AFC wild cards it's, now. It's happened. Um, it's happened before. Yeah, but it would be really the, cool. The extra play-in uh, game or playoff game. It's it's totally possible for three, potentially four, of uh, yeah. teams from the uh, from the same division to get in. Yeah, no kidding. So, um, you know, like I said, it's a total arms race, and uh, you know these teams are realizing it, man. And, and Veach has got his work cut out for him. Not to say that he didn't already, but man's got a plan. And we got, in my opinion, the second best coach in the NFL. And Andy Reid, only bested by the GOAT, Bill Belichick. You still consider him one of the best coaches in the NFL? Andy Reid? No, Bill Belichick. Oh, yeah. Look at what he's done with Mac Jones as his quarterback. Good God. Mac Jones is bad. <laughs> Mac Jones is bad. Throw, throw the ball three times a game. <laughs> no. I mean, that's what made, they won the game. That's, that's what, what I'm made saying. So that's good. literally what I'm saying. It's, they threw the ball three times with a bad quarterback and won the game against a team that the Chiefs struggled to beat in overtime in the playoffs. I think I think Tom Brady's proven, you know, what he can do for a team and a coach um, in Tampa Bay. Um, I, I think Bill Belichick's value drops quite a bit when he doesn't have a Tom Brady. I think you go back and you look at all the Tom Brady-led teams in in New England – and yes, Tom Brady has been fantastic. Those championships were not won by Tom Brady. They were only won by the defense and special teams. I don't know. Brady made plays he made- all those games, but I think we're getting too far off chiefs topic here. Um, <laughs> I, you know, the AFC West is um, the, I mean, there's no denying it. It's the best division in football. And we've had worse problems in uh, Chiefs history. But, you know, this is uh, – This isn't the year really that I'm, we're talking about you. <laughs> this is the year that I'm actually I'm, – I'm, like, anxious as a Chiefs fan. Like, the past few years, I've been very confident. I've been very spoiled. Um, loved going to go to see all the, the home games in, in recent years. Like it's, it's been a blast to be a Chiefs fan and I'm legitimately worried this year. You know, it, it is worrisome as we land this plane. I've got a final question. Now this has been some discourse between me and P Diddy. I know you guys don't know who P Diddy is. He's mentioned quite often on this show with a lot of his hot takes. We've had some discourse. We were talking about what's more important to an organization. Put out a poll. The poll agreed with me. The poll stated who is more important to an organization, the head coach and their coordinators or the GM. What are your guys' thoughts? So many variables that play with this question. Uh, if we're talking just flat out, just who's more important, just period, it's probably the head coaches, coordinators. But that is a conditional answer, 
uh, and I don't want to get too off track with my answer, but basically how long has the GM been in place and how much of that setup was kind of inherited um, in terms of a player personnel standpoint. Um, I think good coaches make teams win regardless of what the GM has done for them or hasn't done for them. Um, I think you can only do so much. I think if you could be a great coach and have a roster like, I don't know, maybe the Texans, um, and you're only going to go so far or do so much. Uh, but I think great coaches can still squeeze the most value out of a team. So I think that's where I would lead. That's you see, I mean, it is a, it is a tough question. And my answer is probably not going to satisfy very many people, but uh, I think it's most important to have a head coach and, and coaching staff first, but like you bring in somebody like a Brett Veach and it's someone who's creative, somebody who's a little bit younger than these old farts, you know, around the league. Maybe I'm thinking owners, but you know, the owners and GMs kind of are supposed to work in tandem, but it, you know, when you get a good mind as a GM that complements the system that you have, someone who knows how to bring in the people to evaluate players and, you know, just get, you know, brings in, you know, the best advisors around him with and keeping up with how the league is changing and stuff like that. You know, the, the, a solid front office behind a good coaching staff is what championships are made of. I don't think you can necessarily do it with one or the other because good coaches can consistently get to the playoffs, maybe even get to the Super Bowl, but I don't think good coaches just win Super Bowls. I think it's it's a lot of things have to come together and a good front office is what makes it what brings the championship home, you know. I'd like to preface with this. Both are very important to an organization who wants to have a stable future. Both are very, you have to have both in order to have a good team. They have to, the, the GM has to bring in players. They've got to scout players. They've got to draft. Well, they've got to, they've got to do the money. They're very important. But understand this, the head coach and offensive coordinators are far more important. Now, again, they're both important but your head coaches and coordinators are far more important to an organization because of their daily duties. A head coach, and a lot of people don't understand this, a head coach is not just standing on the sidelines and kind of picking depth charts and blah, blah, blah. They're in charge of everyday personnel. They're in charge of scheduling. They're in charge of travel. They're in charge of scheduling while they're traveling. They're in charge of hiring and firing of coaching staff who will work directly with players, not only in the scheme and the playbook, which are also developed by the head coach, but also to mold and to grow players in player development. Do you think that it was John Dorsey or Brett Veach who molded Tyreek from a fifth or sixth round pick, whatever he was into being one of the best and now the highest paid wide receiver in the league? No, that was Andy freaking Reed. Do you think it was John Lynch at the 49ers who was like, ah, this Debo Samuel guy in the third or second or third round, he's going to, I can mold him into the player that he is today. No, that was Kyle freaking Shanahan with his amazing offense, molding him into the player that he is today. And And the same goes for a lot of players throughout the league. It is important that a head coach and coordinators are understood to be more important to an organization 
And I think it's, it's exceptional. The, the two things that we can talk about on this is look at the Browns organization and look at the Raiders organization. The Browns in Baker's tenure went through four head coaches, four offensive coordinators in four years. Now he did have the same head coach and offensive coordinator for the last two seasons. He did have two head coaches and two offensive coordinators in his first season. So he's had four offensive coordinators. He's had four head coaches and their record has been up and down. He has gone injured. He has looked good through a couple of years and he has looked really, really bad through a couple of years. Now you go over to uh, the Raiders organization and you look at Derek Carr and you think, man, that guy, they've kind of been through it, right? Mike Mayock uh, didn't, didn't really develop or bring in players. John Gruden really didn't develop the players. They didn't really have what you would call success. However, they had stability. They had four years with Mike Mayock and John Gruden. Derek Carr through the four years had had the best four years of his tenure ever. He consistently looked good and ended up with the number two ranked offense in the league with Darren Waller and Hunter freaking Renfro. That doesn't mean I don't think Derek Carr is some amazing quarterback that will go on to win Super Bowls. I don't think anybody thinks that, but that will show you that stability within an organization, no matter how bad your GM is, as long as you have stability at your head coaching and coordinator positions where your playbook doesn't change year in and year out, where your scheduling doesn't change year in and year out, where you can have consistency upon that line, your head coaching and coordinators have a larger impact than what a GM does. What do you say to Tyree Kill saying that Glenn Dorsey was his reason for playing for the Chiefs? Huh? Right. <laughs> what do you say about that? <laughs> that's his reason for playing, but that's not the reason he ended up being so good. I don't necessarily disagree with you on the fact that the head coaches um, and their coordinators and their staff is more important than a GM. Um, I'm just saying, like, long-term consistent success doesn't happen when without a harmony entity. They do have to have both the the, good coaching staff and, and, you know, um, consistency with that coaching staff can get you success, but it's not, it's not long-term. Correct. You know, we, you know, and look at Doug Peterson. Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, the with the Chiefs, you know, when we changed to when we switched to Brett Veach, we saw like we were good, we were in the playoffs, we were competing, but you know, we kind of went over that edge when we when Brett Veach started, you know, making his changes. We're also getting to the point now where we're seeing the head coaches that are good enough to continue staying head coaches through multiple regimes actually get to pick their GMs, Andy Reid and Brett Veach. Bill Belichick was handed the reins over. A lot of people are going to disagree with this, but uh, Bill O'Brien, he was a re- he was actually a really good coach before he was handed the GM reins, and that shows that not all coaches are are made up to be both. Um, but they are at least starting to either hand over the reins for head coaches to also be the GM, or to allow these good head coaches to choose their GM to sync in harmony. I'll put a little cherry on top of this for you, boys. Andy Reid, this is courtesy of Cody Tap on Twitter. I'm sure you guys follow him. I do like Cody. Andy Reid, thank you, by the way, Cody, if you're listening, highly doubtful, but just want to cite my sources. Andy Reid still had a top 10 scoring offense, even with his quarterback being Donovan McNabb and his leading receiver being having 575 yards. That was Todd Pinkston for you NFL historians out there. 
Chiefs offense, in Cody's opinion, is going to be a top five offense this season, no matter what. You want to talk about coaches, and to my point from before, squeezing that value out of these boys. I don't know if there's many guys better than probably Papa Reed in that regard of squeezing the value out of folks. I mean, Tyree Kill was, what, a fifth-round pick after all? Um, so we're going to talk about you know a coach that can really, really get more out of people than they probably could give. Um, you know, definitely important. I think Andy Reid is special and we're lucky to have him. Very special. Okay. Very lucky. Well, boys, is there anything else you would like to cover in your introduction into the podcasting world? I don't want to completely throw us back into this, but I, I like to look up stats as we talk about stuff as the listeners have probably already kind of realized. I just think it adds flavor and some fun to stuff sometimes. And sometimes it can put stuff in perspective and sometimes it can slant my, uh, my arguments in my favor. And I, I totally understand that. Um, but this one, I just want to just as a quick talking point, bring up, and then we can, we can end it for the day. We were talking about before how we felt that the Chiefs either need to draft value in the draft or they need to go after some really great free agents. And we, we really talked about that when it came to receivers. And we acknowledged that the Chiefs' other big need outside of receivers was an edge rusher. Uh, but I don't know how much we really touched on maybe going after a veteran um, edge rusher in free agency, uh, seeing as how that's the Chiefs' other big need. Um, and I know that there's not a lot of great young options. And I know that Veach has kind of got this unspoken. If you're under 30, if you're over 30 years old, you're not going to get paid. <coughs> Tyreek, or excuse me, uh, Tyron Matthew. Um, but I think that we could look to someone and, and rumors are that he's already going to resign with his current team. But I think you could look to someone like maybe a Jadavian Clowney as a really great young edge rusher. That's a free agent right now. He had nine sacks last year. He does have a downside. He got hurt the last two games of the season. So he had nine sacks in 15 games. So it's, you know, it's nothing to write home about, but he's not very old at all. Um, he's been in the year, the, the league for eight years. Um, he's 29. So he's, he's under that beach 30 year rule by hair. Um, and, you know, I know he's a guy that's kind of somewhat disappointed in what we thought he might do coming out of South Carolina. Um, but I think that could be, could be an interesting free agent pickup in terms of edge rushers. I don't know how much thought you guys have really given to it in that regard. Uh, but I just think everybody was been talking about the chiefs should go after a veteran in the wide receiver market. when we've got this super saturated wide receiver draft. But no one seems to really be saying that we should go after a outside of Melvin, Melvin Ingram, obviously, which Tybo brought up. But nobody's really talking about how we should go after a veteran edge rusher. Well, there's not as many edge rushers to pick from in the draft, in my opinion, that are going to be top caliber. Um, just just some food for thought. Um, and, you know, maybe you guys don't think Janadian and Cloudy is a good idea. If you don't or if you do, uh, do you think there's any other great players? I've got the list of free agent edge rushers here. If you'd like me to read off some highlights or if you guys have any you'd like to rapid fire off the top of your head. Uh, go for it. Go ahead and read that list for me. Yeah. So let me get back to where I've got it organized because I had it all honed in on Jadavian. Sorry. I should have had this more ready. So do, I do like Jadavian. I don't would, think he would be a bad addition. I like his presence in the yeah. DE room. Uh, I think he in like he has fun um, regardless of some of the um, attitude, you know, issues that may have been brought up in his past. That's what I was going to say. You know, uh, Jadavian Clowney would be a good ad. If I had my, you know, uh, pick in the free agents that are available, I would want Melvin Ingram back for continuity. Um, and I think he's a little bit better than Jadavian Clowney, but there's, there's one guy and, and honestly bring them both in Melvin's not going to garner a lot of money. And realistically what with, with injuries and attitude issues, I don't think Jadavion's going to garner a lot of money. Um, Jadavion is a good shot. Not a lot of 
people have been talking about him. Uh, I think there's two coaches in the league that could fix that attitude problem. And it would go one of two ways with both either number one with Andy Reed being a little lenient the way that he is. And we do know that he can fix attitudes. Um, I think that, style would work better with Jadavian than a Bill Belichick style of attitude check where it's hard nosed, hard press in your face, figure it out or get out. Um, and I think, I think what Jadavian need is a lot of structure. Uh, and I think, I think the chiefs would be the best spot for him to go. Um, if he wants to elevate his playing career in what could be the final years. Let's see if you guys like a couple of these other shouts here that I'll toss out here. I agree with both what you guys are saying about the attitude and the value. This is why I wanted to bring this up. I just feel that there's, there's more value in the draft off of a rookie contract when it comes to wide receivers than there is for edges. And I think I'd like to see us maybe oh, at least test the edge market when it comes to veterans. And I wouldn't mind. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'd take AJ Brown or any of these other great veteran wide receivers all day, every day. So I don't want the listeners or anybody else to think that, but I do like the idea of at least, sniffing around some of these free agents. So here's a few. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, I'm, I'm doing these by age, by the way, oldest to youngest of guys that, that I would like to see. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, Carlos Dunlap, also pretty old, 33. Uh, Pierre-Paul's 33. Uh, Justin Houston, the glorious return of our boy. Uh, no hasn't, had, hasn't had the most productive last few years, but had to give him a shout just as being a, as being a former chief. Akeem Hicks, uh, 32 years old. Again, these are probably all outside of the realm of, uh, of a bread beach, but he did sign a 31-year-old Melvin Ingram. Uh, and then 32-year-old Melvin Ingram now. Uh, and then KJ Wright, who's also 32 and has given the Chiefs some fits in the past. Um, there's a few other quick names here. Alex Okafor. Um, I know who we've just lost him. He probably isn't going to be coming signing back, but could be good for us if we can tie something down. Anthony Barr, uh, again, we're still kind of in that over 30-year-old range. And then if you get down into some of the younger names, uh, obviously Jadavian Clowney, who I already shouted before, Carl Nassip, not exactly the most productive player. Um, could be a distraction too with some of the other stuff that's gone on with him out, off the field. Um, but that's just, just another option there. Um, there's a few other quick names, um, but nobody that's got a big market value, uh, AKA nobody that's super, super big and in demand. I think Jadavian's your best bet. He's your youngest bet. And because I think of his behavior, like you guys mentioned, you'll be able to get a great player that can, uh, as we saw, he can channel anything like he did in that Michigan South Carolina game where he blew that dude's head off. Man. Yeah. And and realistically, what we're looking for is I, I like the list, but realistically, what we're looking for in that list outside of Jadavion is, is probably Nolan Void. We've got role players. If we bring in Jadavion, that's probably a role player slash starter. Um, and we really need starters, guys who are going to make an immediate impact for what we've got. We know that we've got a starter out of Frank Clark, uh, at least for half the season, because he's going to sit out the rest of the half of the season. Um, also, a lot of people aren't talking about is legal issues that are going on and who knows what's going to happen out of that. Uh, last I knew he was supposed to uh, have or see the inside of a courtroom this off season. That is still to be determined. Um, so a lot of things going on there. We're, we're really in defensive end limbo when it comes to free agents and to the draft, given where we're picking currently. I agree. And uh, if, if it's not the most important, like, fix that we need on the roster then i don't know what is because defensive end um is I mean, one of the, is is one of the most important positions in football right now just the way the game is played in our division in our division 100 yeah. in our division the immediate need that has to be covered 
if we can't get if we can't get to Justin Herbert or Russell Wilson, you know, they're going to eat us alive. I'm not as worried about a Derek Carr, but, you know, he's throwing to Devontae Adams now. And Hunter Renfro has also made us look really bad uh, playing. <laughs> and that was, that was part of the issue that we saw last year. I mean, a guy like Tavarius Ward who goes out and gets generational type money, especially for coming at, in as a free undrafted free agent, getting $40 million over a three-year period. It's not like we had bad D- DBs. We just we just could not get to the quarterback, which meant that guys were getting open because they got to run 10 second routes. No DB in the world is going to be able to cover that. That just makes it a little bit tough. And and you're right. You both are right. It is an an immediate need. Um, And so we'll have some stuff to talk about as Mr. Jordan Foote will join us next week. He's a uh, man, Jordan Foote, a good buddy of mine text often um he is now at 810 sports he has been with sports illustrated chiefs talk for a while uh the man has went from working for free and putting out free content for a very long time the man is finally starting to see the fruits of his labor i am very excited to bring on jordan foot next week listens to him he's got 810 on all the time oh yeah jordan jordan is amazing very knowledgeable guy uh so we will have jordan come on next tuesday it will be released that night and out on wednesday um boys it's been a very good talk uh i am glad to have you both here with me as good friends and uh excited to see where we go stay tuned uh as we continue to roll out new content and new uh new things uh as we all have aspirations for this and are aligned with this and uh we're 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 gonna grow very large and uh we're gonna do a weekly twitter poll question uh, on our Twitter, uh, Tyler will include that in the bio of all of our podcast episodes as well. Um, and That's this TLCFP. Yep. And this week's Twitter poll question is going to be, what would you rather have the Chiefs go after in the free agent market in terms of a veteran player, a defensive end or a wide receiver? And if you'd like to reply to the poll, give us your reason as to why. Hit us with your questions on our Twitter. It's at TLCFP. We will be making changes to that. Also, if you're on Spotify, there will be a poll uh, below on every single episode or question as there has been uh, over the last year. So make sure to check those out. Uh, Again, we thank you for listening. Stay tuned for new information. You can follow me, uh, Tyler Savatinaya, on Twitter at underscore Swavage underscore. You can follow me, Christian, at Folsom's Facts. That's F-O-L-S-O-M-S-F-A-C-T-S. And if you want to find the other Tyler, just reach out to the show at TLCFP, currently uh, soon to be changed to T2C something or other. We'll, we'll figure that we'll one figure out that shortly. Uh, right now, again, it is at TLCFP. We thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. As always, go Chiefs. Oh!